I can't tell you how many people are beside themselves that you're sitting down with me again, Teo. You have such passionate fans. Um, do you find that as you move through the world? Um, is it an annoyance? Is it a joy? Because women love you. Oh, I never find it to be an annoyance. Um, I'm always, I always question it. You know, sometimes you, you think to yourself and people go uh, emotional about things. And I think it has to do with the kind of characters I've played, mm. I've lived, the journeys I've taken in which a lot of the women, some of the men, uh, follow me in those journeys. And in many ways, because, you know, the world uh, is a dangerous place these days and because of also COVID, um, I hadn't traveled since 2019. And so when I did this this past summer, it was just absolutely amazing. But everybody else went on the on journeys as well. So it was packed. But where I ended up going was kind of isolated and in the mountains of Greece. And I first went to Austria and I wanted to see all the palaces in Vienna. I am Austrian, by the way. Oh, you are? Of Austrian yeah, descent, yes. Country is a stunner. Um, just to see all that artwork and the way people lived, you know. Mm. Um, it was when people leave behind things they did well, and you go into that room and you see how old and ancient some of these things are, and you have the opportunity to witness them. Mm. I always find when I take these journeys, I come back and I feel that much richer. I feel that I get more passionate in my work. I'm more interested in the work because it feeds it. It's like, you know, it's my food. Was it hard for you to not travel during COVID, to, to sit still? Because you travel quite a lot. Uh, it was. Um, sometimes I traveled in my head. <laughs> you know, I would sit in my house and I would look at things and imagine that I'd taken that journey again. What is especially for Egypt and, and Greece and Italy. Those three countries were my favorites. Wait, um, you have to talk to us uh, before I skip it, uh, Teo, about the painting behind you and the story about it. It's so dramatic. And I did not see that piece when I was at your house, I don't believe. Um, did me. I? I'm having yes. coffee. <laughs> Enjoy your coffee. I want you to know this cup is, is a, the identical copy of of what they used to have on the Titanic. What? Yes, this is the saucer and that's what it is. Wait, hold it up higher so we can see. How, how did you how did you get a replica of a Titanic piece? Uh, because we went to, um, uh, to Kentucky when we were selling the books of days mm -hmm. and uh, they, we went to the Titanic Museum. And in and there were these cups and saucers, and I went, God, because I love the cobalt blue. So I ordered them, and so. I, wow. And okay, I love that. The old. Well, I like the old. There's something about the authenticity of the old, the longevity of the old. Um, it's it's our remembering about culture because without culture, um, we die as a society. Teo, do you? I haven't asked you this question before, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I want to ask you this question. You are an old soul. Do you believe in reincarnation? Do you think you've been here before? Yeah, I had an astrological reading yesterday, and the first thing the woman said, she says, "Did you know that you were a monk in your previous life? Because why do I keep going to monasteries? You know, it's interesting what 
you're drawn mm-hmm. to. Oh, you gave me that. goosebumps. Well, sometimes we take those things for granted. Mm-hmm. Like you asked me about this painting, and these mm-hmm. are about monks, but these are the monks of Tibet. Okay. And Enrique Senis Oliver, who lives in Spain, when I'd gone to visit him, I said to him, I, I want a triptych of what's going on with China and Tibet. And I showed him photographs of the desecration of their temples. And this is why it's remembering Tibet. That's the name of this painting. So you can see that the faces look sad. It's all about the loss of their of their history and their uh, culture and of their people. And so um, he, he did that for me. Excuse me. And he also did another one, but Enrique, there is now, he came by here, which I invited you for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I know, um, you, you didn't turn up, uh, but you-, you no, Well, no, I, no, I did no, not no. let you know though. No, you didn't. Yeah. Um, so he went to Monterey in Mexico, which is two hours out of Mexico City, and they're building a museum for his work. <gasps> so- uh, uh, What is his full name, Teo? Enrique, and then the surname is Senis, S-E-N-I-S hyphen Oliver, O-L-I-V-E-R. And he's 87. And he's oh over there. He sat over there because I've got another painting here of his, another painting over there of his. And I commissioned these um, in the 80s and, and, and this one here later on. But um, he sat in the corner over there and he just liked the way this room was. And he said, Take a says to his manager, take a picture for me of what I'm seeing because it is my taste. Oh. And, so, and he's 87 and he's sitting there like, uh, well, not that his nose was in the air, but it was, he was, he was, um, he was of another time. So when sure. we talk about, you ask me about reincarnation, um, there are signposts. Life gives us you know, when I took this journey just now, mm-hmm. um, and I felt so fortunate, even though it took three years, um, it's part of the last part of my trilogy that I've written and now I've recorded. And I wanted to find the true story of Ulysses. We haven't brought him home for 3,000 years. And so my story, you go to um, a place called Ithaca, which is supposed to be the ancient place of of, of Ulysses, mm-hmm. what we're finding out is that it's not true. Because if you read Homer, he says- Which I did, I had to. <laughs> yes, well, in the Odyssey, he says that Ithaca was the furthest out west. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ithaca of today is further out east. Really? And so now there's a man called Bittlestone. I read his book, and that's why I got in, in, interested. I called up, uh, sorry, I sent an email and a man called Crawshaw, the next day he responded and he says, you're most welcome. I said, I'm coming in a week. Wow. I couldn't believe it. You, you don't even get wow. that. You don't get that in Hollywood. And suddenly I get this call from this guy and he said, oh, by all means, I'll show you our latest discoveries and doing all that. So I, what I wanted to show you was part of the beauty of what I did. Can you see this? I can. That is, the can blue line is your journey? is my journey in one day it took eight hours and i have how many miles is that tail well half of it was done by car and the other half was done by walking and climbing up and 
I remember wow. he said he gave me a, a large stick, uh, uh, like a scepter, to mm -hmm. hold myself because he says it's very slippery here down the mountain. Well, of course, I, uh, typical me, I go slipping down the mountain and I fall on my ass. And and he said to me, "Oh my God, are you all right?" I said, "Thank God, I'm still an athlete." And I got up, hid my embarrassment, and we continued. But what he showed me is going to be part of the story I will be telling in the third section of the podcast that I'm doing. Okay, so it's let's... all about treasures. It's all about lost treasures, and it's about what Schliemann found in Troy what Henrik Schliemann, the archaeologist of the 19th century, found in a place in Greece called Mycenae, where the Trojan War started. So it's a trilogy on, on the Homer stories. You were saying before we went on the air that you were searching for the Virgin Mary. Was that, was that this trip? Uh, no. No. No, the, the search of, uh, that's the short story, well, the short story. Oh, yes, that's In Search of a Goddess. Yes. So In Search of a Goddess, I have a friend who's uh, called um, Ray, and he's an incredible, uh, and last name is Lignini, and he's an incredible psychic. And he had said to my producer, Jeff Hayes, and his wife, Lisa, he was my producer for Mission Impossible. So I said to them one day while we're having dinner, because I was talking about Egypt, they said, we want to go to Egypt with you. So we went. But Ray had said to her, please, it's very important for you to see the goddess Sekhmet, who was the goddess protecting women and also the goddess of war. And she said to her, when you meet her, you have to go inside and make sure your hand touches her breast. And she goes, what? So she didn't quite understand it. She's, he says, you'll know when you see it. So we go and we're now in the biggest temple in Egypt called Karnak. So while we're going through it, uh, we were so nice to our guide, he told us that. <laughs> well, we tipped him well as well. And he says, I'd like to return the favor. I'd like to give you something back. And like, we said, okay, not expecting anything. Mm -hmm. It takes us outside of the temple and there's this little, almost like a, a house. And he gets the police to unlock the big bolt. And we go in and he turns the light on and there's Sekhmet. You talk about a coincidence. We see Sekhmet and there she is. She's got the head of a lion and the body of a woman. And suddenly the, the, the guide said, there was a, a partition and he opens the partition up and he says, you can go in and touch her. Don't say touch her breast. He did not say touch. Didn't say touch her breast, but he said, you can go in and touch her if you want. And Jeff and I looked at each other. We were like flabbergasted because if we had not kept that guide, because we were going to finish with him the day before. And I said, no, he's very good. Let's keep him. Somehow it, it was right to do that. And then when she went and touched the breast, she said she felt all this amazing energy. And then we left and Jeff said to me, my God, that's amazing. And on a previous journey, I had taken two weeks and I went up and down the Nile and I was in search how the Coptic church in Egypt had started, which was because the Virgin Mary and the Holy Family was escaping Herod. And the Christ was uh, just one years old. And mm -hmm. so uh, I went to all the sacred areas where they hid for four years. And I want to do that journey in, in a few days. And I did. 
But when we came back, uh, we were exhausted and the guide said, it's time, it's getting too dark. I said, I wanna go, what about Zetun? What about where the Virgin Mary appeared in 1968? I'd like to go and visit that. And anyway, we didn't have time. I said, well, okay, I'll do it next time. So this time I said to Jeff and to Lisa, I wanna take you, it was Greek Easter, Orthodox Easter, and I said, I wanna go to Zetun and I wanna go to that church where the Virgin Mary appeared at the top where a man witnessed it and, and a miracle happened and he was able to walk, he was on crutches. So it, people heard about it and then she started to appear and thousands appeared. You can look it up, it's, it's an incredible story. And this is the, the photo of, of the, the Virgin that appeared as an apparition. Uh, Teo, take it down just a little. There you go. Uh, that is just absolutely insane that you can see her. Yeah, isn't that something? My goodness. And that photo was taken when? 1968, April. And so they were very excited to go. And so because she was very fair, all the soldiers were going crazy. And so we ended up going to the church and the guy who was head of CIA for Egypt approached us, wanted to know what we were doing. Jeff said I was a producer, that I was his actor and, and this was his wife. And so they bring us in and they take us in and give us a private tour of that church. It was absolutely amazing. So uh, what I'm writing is Lisa's search of the goddess uh, Sekhmet and my search of the Virgin Mary, which has been through the years, even when I went to Mount Athos, where no women are allowed and was the Virgin Mary uh, in the first year AD where she called this island her garden because it was so beautiful. And it's, it, 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 it's in the Northern part of Greece and it's one of the three um, uh, the peninsulas that jut out into the Aegean. And that's where Mount Athos is, which I went and spent four nights with these monks, which, which was quite interesting, actually. Um, so now you talk about your, your reading that you just had, where you were told that you were once a monk. A monk. Did, did, you, did you get more information, like approximately what point in time that was? And uh, It was 19th century. She, she also said uh, that the reason I had these parents in this life was because I needed, I made the agreement to take care of them in this lifetime, which was true. Um, my, my, my siblings also took care of my parents, but from over here, it was, and because of my success, I was able to send them overseas six times and mm -hmm. give them something they wouldn't have had because, you know, we, we were brought up and we were poor. And I think I left because I said, I got to make a miracle happen somehow. And it's not going to be in Australia at the time. I said, I have to go to America. And so here we are. And 40 years later, uh, with the, um, uh, with all the success that I've been able to, because I've never had another job other than being an actor, except in my early twenties. So um, she said to me that some wonderful, this is a, a change is coming, big change. And so I've got a few things in the fire. And so, um, you know, at this stage of my life, some people are, have retired. Uh, for me, it's about what else is there? And so the journeys are part of that. And because uh, the journeys give me stories, the journeys give me conversations, we share things. I I'm just, I'm always interested because I remember when I was younger and Jane Fonda said, what was, your, what was her secret in, in being successful? And she said, curiosity. Uh -huh. And so 
you know, you have to, you want to stay young, you want to be able to thrive in life. I think a lot of people, as I've seen, you know, you, you spend your life becoming. And then one day you become and you can see who's landed with you and where and what they're looking at. And the majority of people, as they've gotten older, have become victims of life. Look what's happened to me. I didn't do this. I didn't have this. And of course, going through COVID made everybody go within because they had no choice. They were looking at the same area for a long time. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, I, because of all, all, all the art that I've collected, especially ancient art, they gave me stories to think about while everybody was going through this. Uh, we all did it differently. Mm -hmm. I, I would have just four friends that I spent three years every week they would come and mm -hmm. I would cook dinner and play cards oh, how lovely. we were all safe and we all had conversations and so it was it's, inter it's an interesting experience as to what we all went through I mean how many times can you say in life that everybody went through the same through an experience that was worldly like, no never like, nothing never in our lifetime and mm -hmm. so so you know life gives you the obstacles I think it was John Lennon who said there are no obstacles, but just solutions. Mm -hmm. So I say to friends of mine who are going through struggles, I say, you're looking just at the pain of it. You're not looking beyond it. You're not, you're not looking to overcome it. You're looking, you're, it's like actors, when they pass the ball, sometimes they catch it and they don't send it back. Mm -hmm. It's that give and take situation, you know. And when, when, when an actor doesn't pass the ball back, you have to remind them it's not just about them. Mm. So, so you know it's been it's been interesting times Teo when and are you back to life as it was before do you think life has gone back for you to when you're on set do they still have COVID protocols or is it yes. is it not anymore oh no it's very serious very uh, serious yeah I mean if I haven't been to work for over a week I will have to stay in my dressing room for two hours get the pass and then uh you get uh, every other day you get tested mm -hmm. so no it's very serious and um and, and let's face it people are still dying of it I, i'm just finding it interesting in especially in los angeles that everybody's just like sitting back having drinks and doing their business going to movies no masks or anything and then the flu is increasing so because we used to have the masks on all the time right. it's a drop in the flu mm -hmm. so to me yeah I think if you're going to be around crowds, then, you know, put on the mask. And then when you're trusting the situation, then you can take it off. But um, I'm not, in, I don't like, being sick is not a, a rewarding experience. So when you traveled and you, you went in June, did you wear a mask when you traveled? Yes. Mm -hmm. I was one of three on the plane. Uh, Those but, are good odds. You know, <laughs> but everybody who got on the plane had to have passed had a COVID test. Mm -hmm. I still didn't trust the situation. And when I went to the island in Kefalonia in Greece, even in Athens, I would go at five o'clock to have my dinner when there was nobody there. And I would have a good book or I would be writing. And then when I finished, I'd go for a long, long walk along the Corniche. And then I'd go back to my hotel room and, and read my book. I had no desire to go to bars. I mean, for the young, I can understand, but you know, for me, I, I, I was, my, I kept reminding myself, my purpose there was to uncover the truth about Ulysses. And that was the purpose of this whole trip. 
And did you do that? Of course I did. I've just I've <laughs> 21 pages. I read 21 pages and recorded it. Yeah. Uh, Stacy Armstrong is asking, when will your uh, podcast be available? Uh, well, they're putting the special effects in. I've heard the first one. Um, I'm hoping it's more than just a podcast. I'm hoping it could be doc documentaries. I think mm -hmm. I'd like to take people on the journey that I discovered. Uh, but I've written it and, and recorded it. So, um, you know, it depends uh, with the, the, the special effects guy in New York. They take their time. Mm. You know what I mean? You, mm -hmm. As actors, we, or writers, you, you get to do what you need to do and finish it on time. Mm -hmm. And then it's that hurry, hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait, yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, so, but it's good. I think I like it because it is about what I think it would be. It's a, a good thing to listen to because it is, people love treasures. And these treasures that I've, I've, I've gone to the museums to see are extraordinary. And when you're thinking the 1500 to 1200 BC uh, and this incredible swords and masks. I mean, it's just amazing that Schliemann in the 19th century had discovered who was the father of archeology. span And so um, I remember going to uh, the museum and a man came up and he goes, oh, we love you in Mission Impossible, gonna be in Greek. He says, what can we do for you? And I said, I would, I would love to meet the minister of culture and he calls because of being a celebrity and he says house two o'clock this afternoon i meet the minister of culture we have a wonderful conversation wow. and then he allows me to enter uh, he, uh, the house which is now the numismatic museum and it was all locked up and they allowed me a special uh, entrance to the house so you know it's those things and i talk about that in the first part of the, of the story so now it's a podcast so is it is it audio only did you also shoot video or you did no, not no so to turn it into a documentary you would add uh, yeah I, I think the stories would hold because mm -hmm. you know to me one of the ways that i i i, I did the story was uh, i remember that where was alexander the great in, in Alexandria, he was supposed to be buried there, right? It's supposed to, his tomb is supposed to contain so much gold. His whole coffin was gold. The, oh. the, the breastplate was gold. And so I thought, I wonder if I'll, I'll go and see if I can inquire and see what they've discovered so far. And I remember the way Schliemann, the, the archeologist said, um, the Danielle Mosque. So I go to the Danielle Mosque and mm -hmm. I say to the guy, uh, could I see it? And he kind of looked at me because I wasn't a Muslim. And he says, take off your shoes. So I gave him $20. And when I went in, there was this big hole in the ground. I said, oh my goodness, what happened here? He said, oh, it just collapsed. And I said, what's beneath it? And he said, do you want to see it? And I said, I would love to see what's down there. He put the ladder down and I climbed. And within 10 seconds, I went from 21st century um, down to first century within 10 what so here i go climb down and there are all these tombs he gave me a flashlight and i went around looking at all these tombs so i thought of the idea i'd like to tell stories of a modern man walking through the ancients and see what i collect and this is what this is about so did the astrologer give you any other indication other than being a monk uh in the last century did she give you any uh do you okay? Do you believe that you, that in reincarnation? Do you think you've been here before? 
Um, sometimes you have cognitions. You know, mm -hmm. uh, when I first came to America, I, I wasn't the sanest person in the world. I mean, emotionally, I had, well, I looked normal, but within mm -hmm. myself, I had my own torments, like we all do. It's part of, mm -hmm. part of growing up. Mm -hmm. But I remember walking in, and, and she, I spent 12 years with this woman. And so I always wanted to know one day when we were talking, what she would do is talk to me about previous lives. But what she would do is she would take a wet um, cloth and spin it around me to clean my aura. And then I would go into a meditation. And then we'd finish, and then she would discuss. And this is what I'm writing now in the story. Mm -hmm. And then one day she looked up, she goes, oh, my God. And I said, what's the matter? She goes, I cannot believe the spirit that is above you. And I went, oh, I'm being told I can't tell you, she said. And I always wondered who it was. Wow. So I am now discovering at this stage in my life where wisdom mm -hmm. and knowledge is at its best, mm -hmm. and yet they don't use us. They don't put us. I mean, there are so many people out there that are confused because they haven't gone through life's lessons, but mm -hmm. those of us who have have so much to contribute. I'm also feeling that as an actor, I'm at my best. As a writer, I'm at my best. As a chef, I'm at my best. And yet, where do you put all this knowledge? Certainly, they don't embellish your character as much as they used to because they want the young. And yet the right. young don't quite know. They do in many ways. They don't ways. have as much to offer. <laughs> They're not as inspired as we were. I mean, you know, we had great people ahead of us in our early life. I mean, the inspiration we got from life being great, work being done was great. It was an inspiration to attain to. What mm. do we have these days? We have lying politicians. We have corruption, you can't believe. We are screwing up the environment. We never had that when we were growing up. We had things to believe in, to, to respect. All those issues that are so important in part of the gradual change in life in which you become. And we're not getting, we're not getting. So I feel sorry in many ways for the young because they don't have with them, in front of them, the things that they can take home and think about and love about and share about. You know, they're quickly on TikTok, which lasts 10 seconds. You know, it's all quick things, but nothing remains. So as you get older, it's going to be harder if you haven't got the tools, you haven't sharpened them. If you don't have those tools, how do you deal with those issues that come as you get older, which become even more difficult because you're maturing and you realize the obstacles don't get smaller. There's a certain thing that happens, but you have the wisdom to overcome and we're not doing that. So that's why for those of us who turn around and have become, you want to impart some of that knowledge that then people can grasp and say, ah, because I look for mentors in my 20s. I found great mentors in men and women, and they made a difference in my life. Mm -hmm. I have a few young people who consider- I was going to ask if you have men. If yeah, you have men. I, I do. And I understand that now. I didn't, at first, I didn't think I knew enough. But mm -hmm. now I think, oh, yeah, you know, I've done a lot of experience, a lot. I've seen a lot. My intuition is pretty sharp. Mm -hmm. And so is my mind. You know, I'm seeing that people forget things, and I'm getting more alert, it seems. And I don't know if that's because of my diet or because I'm interested. Probably and, both. You know, all that. Mm -hmm. And also taking the time to listen in company 
You know how people interrupt when you're talking? Mm-hmm. And then you say to them, I haven't finished. It's, it's just amazing when people don't listen, they interrupt. When you listen, because I just went, had a, had a wonderful dinner with old, old friends of mine. Since I was 21, these people have been in my life. And wow. one is 96. And to sit around and tell our stories, it was such a magnificent evening. It wasn't just having a cocktail and then trying to see who's over your shoulder. It was about sitting down and bringing our cultures together. And, you know, they're my Jewish friends in Los Angeles. And Mm -hmm. they're just great people. And so, um, you know, uh, that's what this COVID has done. It's made you step back and have a look at what is still empty in your life. Because a lot of people have had a hard time because sometimes they don't like what they're looking at, or they're not stimulated enough, or they become bored easily. Because, you know, when people say they're bored, you say, no, you're Mm -hmm. boring. Exactly. My mother says only boring people get bored. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I mean, you know, I know how things are hard sometimes. I mean, for all of us, it's not an easy journey. If you want something that sustains, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's why I see how other cultures live. That's why I like going overseas. That's why I'm thinking, what's my next story? And that's why now I've got In Search of a Goddess. That's my my next story that I'm developing. And then I've got another one that's coming up. And so. What's your daily discipline like, Teo? What what is your day like now? It's not post-COVID. It's not it's not, we're not in the thick of pandemic. How much do you get out now? You said you, will you go to work? Yeah, and work's not very far from where I live. I'm in the Hollywood Hills, but mm-hmm. uh, I think I'm a bit, um, I've seen LA, mm-hmm. how much more. The trouble is there's more cars to get through in order to see. To go down to Santa Monica, which I used to love going down to having a seafood dinner or, or walking along the the, the beach or something mm-hmm. takes an hour and a half now whereas before mm-hmm. it was about 40 minutes mm-hmm. um, all that is such a waste of time sitting in your car getting angry getting upset because someone's taking too long to because they're busy with their phone at the stop sign mm-hmm. it's, you know it's all so in LA there's not much more for me that's why I'm thinking you know is it time for me to make my next move do I do go you back? have any idea where that might be um I think Australia, you know, first I'm going for Christmas to see my family. You know, after all these years, I think I didn't spend enough time with the family. I didn't, when my parents went, I thought, God, I didn't, even though I embraced them, I didn't have enough time with them. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask the questions that I would have liked, that I would have understood later in life about Mm -hmm. what I went through. I had to kind of do it at a distance. And so, you know, I've got, two sisters and a brother, no more aunts or uncles. I've got 45 first cousins in Sydney. Oh, my. Um, some I like. <laughs> <laughs> some I was just like, is that is that where you went, I think? Yeah. Um, so, but, but could you leave all of, because then you'd be leaving the work, um, right? But then I would pick up other work. You know, if I'm writing, which I'm doing a lot now, I want to see what else there is. Mm-hmm. I mean, this days has been fantastic. Without days, I couldn't have taken this many journeys. I mean, you know, I've been to Italy and Greece at least 20 times each. I've been to Egypt. This will be my 15th trip coming up. It's, you know, a lot of people uh, put their money in real estate and 
I bought my house, but I put my money in journeys because I'm having the education I never got that I wanted. And okay, then, selfishly, I'm going to ask you, um, I'm going to finally go to Paris, and I've, that's been a lifetime dream for me. Hmm. So uh, do you have favorite places in Paris? You know, I've only done uh, Paris once. Um, of that, course, see how that amazes me that you've traveled so much and yet only gone to Paris once. Paris doesn't hold interest for you? Um, the experience wasn't as great as I'd hoped. I'm ah. walking into, which I'm so happy that they're restored, I think next year it'll be open. And that's the Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. You know, when you go in and you know this is the place where Napoleon had crowned himself. This is where all the Louis Kings uh, had reigned. And you look at those walls and those incredible windows. And, you know, it was all very dark because of all the candles through the centuries. And we're talking about 13th century and all those candles burning. Uh, that was extraordinary. Mm -hmm. uh, going to um, the Louvre was fantastic. Restaurants, food, bar none. Going I'm going to ask you about those on the side. Versailles. When I went, there was nobody waiting. Now I hear the line is forever. Mm. And because a lot of the Asians now who have made money and have become, you know, more of a super race, now can afford to take the journeys. And they're interested not just in their own culture, they want to see what our Western culture is about as well. Mm -hmm. It took them a long time because they're, you know, they were like this, the, the Asian culture. You know, when you look at them, they're just looking straight ahead, but they have phenomenal history. And so um, it's great to see that they have become part of the world and are interested in what, you know, what great history we have. And, um, but, you know, going, I, I would say going to um, Aquitaine, where Eleanor, Henry II's wife, you know, we're talking 13th century, during the time of the Crusades, going through those castles is fantastic. Mm. But, you know, I found them to be rude, you know, the French. Yes. Um, but um, but I found other people to be wonderful. Their food is extraordinary. But, you know, they're very uppity. You know, I, I like the Greeks. When you go to have some dinner with the Greeks, it's, you know, it's family time. You know, they sit there. There's no pretension. Uh, they bring you back. I found Italy to be that way as well. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I love the Middle East. I mean, I love Jordan. I love going to Petra. Um, I like going to Israel. I loved mm -hmm. Israel. Somebody's um, just commenting about that. Yes, they thought but, I was a terrorist at the airport. I was, <laughs> they circled me thinking, you know, I was a terrorist. But anyway, uh, but yes, so all these journeys I've taken. And so um, it's How about London? How do you feel about London? I've done London a few times, actually. I have some relatives there. I love London. I mean, I love that history. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and when the Queen died, I've got to say, it was emotional for me as well, because I grew up in Sydney as a young boy, waving my flag as she came and visited with the Duke of Edinburgh, and they would pass by the car and I'd be waving my, <laughs> and you know, so when you go to England, you think the queen or the king, and, and then you see the crown jewels, you see um, Thomas More and where they beheaded him, all, all those things that are part of their rich, rich history. Um, no, the Brits are, are great. Food. I was going to ask you if you had any brush with, with royalty, and you've answered my question. That's Yeah, Greek royalty I have, but uh, yeah, it's, it's um, every culture has its own, you know, depends on what resonates with you. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I've always wanted to go to China, 
because I studied Chinese history. I'm just not crazy about this leadership now in China mm -hmm. uh, and, and how, um, how they look at us. Uh, because they've, you know, the Chinese have always wanted to become a number one power, and they never have. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, a scientist said in the 19th century, China will always try to be number one, but they can't help but implode. That that'll be mm -hmm. that'll be their history, and you're seeing it now. You know, things are going downhill to the Chinese right now, because they built all these uh, all all these buildings in Beijing and everything thousands but nobody lives in them but they wanted to keep the work going keep the work going keep the employment going and now it's stopped and people realize no one's going to buy these apartments they bought them as investments so they're going to have a lot of problems you know um but anyway that's that's my story so Okay, so let's go back to what your day is like and what 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 oh, you're eating, okay. what you're doing. What do I do? Yes, uh, what's a what's a typical day like for you? Uh, first, first thing I do in the mornings is, since I was a kid, um, my mother always used to get a wet cloth, and she used to put it over my eyes so I would wake up. She'd just come and when it's time for school, and I used to have a hard time waking up. She put a wet cloth over my eyes. I've been putting that wet cloth over my eyes since. Every wow. Is it warm? Is it hot? Is it cold? What? Cold. Cold. And I'll tell you something. If you really want a trick to keep, I found that with the heat that we have, mm -hmm. I used to put a wet cloth around my neck and on my forehead. And that used to keep my body from getting too high in temperature and getting uncomfortable. It really cools you down. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I wake up in the morning. First thing is I take the cloth that has been sitting next to my bed. I put it over my eyes. I put my pulsors and pulsors are microcrystals that have all this energy to them. And each one has a certain purpose. So I put a pulsor here. I put two pulsors here under the cloth. Put a pulsor here. Put a pulsor here. Excuse me. Then I put a pulsor in my crutch. So there's a straight line. And then I would put a pulsar in each arm. And then the woman gave me a, a sheet like this and sewed in uh, 30 pulsars, which cost me a bit of money. Uh, but I have to tell you, because as I got older, I was having back problems, uh, having not stretching enough sometimes. And I put it underneath me as I lie down. And I, so now I'm surrounded by all these pulsars. I go into a meditation, which takes me 10 seconds and I go under. I stay under, depends, 30, 35 minutes. Oh my. And I go into where my body doesn't move. I'm totally still. And I'm able to bring everything together in a line. And then when I'm finished, I know when I'm finished, I do my prayers, whatever it is I'm, I'm aiming for. I wake up and I'm in a very good mood. I'm not a person who goes around complaining about problems and angry about, I'm angry when guests don't call up, you've cooked one, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but uh, those types of things get me, uh, people's bad manners, but it, it, it really is uh, an extraordinary thing. So I've been doing it. So when I had my checkup a few months ago, doctor said, oh my God, your effing heart is just incredible. And then he said, and you look at your chest, it's totally clear. 
So I think it's the pulsos. Okay, now at, what is this? How did you discover this? Where do people get that? How do what we learn about this? Uh, I've been doing it. It was a, a Chinese physicist who discovered it, and they were going to do it for lasers. Mm -hmm. And instead, he thought, "Why don't I use this new science and put it into healing?" So I met this woman forty years ago, Sybil. Her name is. And she would come to my house um, every week. And I did it for 36 years. Wow. Like people get massages, I would get yeah. And she told me when she first met me that there was so much turmoil in me that it could turn into tumors. So she spent three months. She uses what they call a spin tester. And she'll go over the body. And as she spins, if it's going uh, anti-clockwise, it means the energy is blocked. So she's got to get that to move positive. And until she does, she can't leave. So that's what she does to my body. And I've been doing that all these years. So I think that's also part of why my health is good and why my mind is clear. Wow. Mm. And what, what, are these, what are these pulsers made of? Um, they're all, uh, you know, it's just around... It almost looks like, you know, if someone picked it up, they wouldn't know what they were because what's inside them is microcrystals, millions, supposedly. I don't know how they did it in, in science. You'd have to open it up and see how they did it inside. And so she's a healer. Yes. Okay, so if you remember, Christina, who I mentioned to you before the show, who came and, and shot uh, with us the last, when I came to your home a few years ago and who now has illness said, I need a spin tester. So um, is there a way to connect Christina with this woman? Does she still do it? You know, she caught COVID after all these years. Oh, she said no. a neighbor came up to ask for something and she had COVID and she caught it. She says, I had been careful with all these things. And she would only come up and see me because she knew that I was clear having the tests from work and also mm -hmm. because I didn't go out much. And she and I, she said, I'm not quite sure I'm gonna do this anymore. She's 79 now. Mm -hmm. But um, I could ask her okay. and see what she, where, where does she live? She lives in Glendale. Hmm. Uh, um, because that's what all this is. Uh, and you know, they even found cancer in her and the doctor couldn't get over how quickly the cancer left. You know, because she had been. A she was able to heal herself. Yes, she wears she wears pulses everywhere. Okay, so here's my question. So now you here's a question. So you had ten people over for a dinner party. You're yes. a careful person. How do you, that? This is why I was afraid. I was fearful. How do you know? Like I was fearful because your friend was coming from Spain. He was coming off a plane. How do you? How, that's a risk, mm. right? Uh. Yes, but they've all, uh, they've all been tested. I mean, to come into, a, I'm not sure now in America that you, you get tested. You don't. No, you don't. You don't. So mm -hmm. Enrique is 87 and he's, you know, he, he's got a doctor who takes care of him. So um, I knew because, and, and they've never gotten COVID. So, you know, when they came here, they were I said, how are you feeling? You good? So I trusted what they were saying. The mm -hmm. people I call, I know their habits and I know they're not overly busy with things. I know they get tested regularly. So, and they've been uh, vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So um, all of them, I think, 
who were here. I mean, I have to also go with my trust or my intuition. I don't yes. know. You know, and that to me, when everybody came, you know, nobody was sick or nothing. Because if somebody says to me, oh, I've got a bit of a bug or something, don't come. Yeah. Uh, I don't, don't bring your germs. Or, uh, take care of it. You know, wish luck, but don't, don't bring it here because then it affects other people. And, and also, he's 87. I mean, yeah. Been, right? he, he needs to be protected. Absolutely. He be protected. So, and they wear masks and they're, they're very cautious uh, because let's face it, Spain also had terrible bout with mm -hmm. COVID, you know. Yes. So anyway, it, so the dinner turned out to be really good. And I mean, you know, it's, it's there's nothing. Tell more. me, tell us what you, what you made for your dinner well, party. Well, first thing, I, I, I did um, uh, my crab meat dip. I did um, Greek meatballs mm -hmm. that I do with pine nuts and mint. Um, and then, and a, and a dip. And I gotta tell you, I put it down and they're gone. They, they go so quickly. Nobody even says, would you like one? <laughs> and I said, there are other people coming. You know, some people were having three of them. And then they're not, you know, because they, you always know actors. They're always the first. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, and then I, I did um, filet mignon, which are with, with the Japanese uh, shiitake sauce. And then I did uh, rack of lamb. Oh, so my! And then I did my mashed potatoes with... Um, um, truffle oil, and I did uh, grilled asparagus, and and then for one person who was a vegetarian, I tell you this, he came in the kitchen, and he saw me touch the fork on the meat when I went into the mushrooms. He couldn't eat it, so I had to make it separate. So I did a pasta for him. So putting all that at the same time, and people coming. Oh. Oh, do you have a do you have a match somewhere? Or I want to light this candle, and I'm going, and I'm right at that point <laughs> where you're about to just get. So if they're not people that don't cook, don't, don't understand that moment is the difference between beautifully done or it's a bit dry. You know, I so understand. Yeah, so, so that's that's where it was, and and then I did my Greek shortbread cookies, mm. and I did the the. Um, um, uh, the uh, custard tarts, they're the uh, uh, Portuguese custard tarts. And then, because I have a lot of passion fruit growing, I then took the whipped cream and I put passion fruit in it with some sugar and whipped it up and put it on top. So that all turned. And then we did Cuban coffee for. for oh, I'm just, I am, I am. It, was good. it all turned out when you finish and then everybody leaves, it's the best moment. After they leave, you have mm -hmm. that moment where you know things have worked out. Yes. Everybody's happy. And you know they're going to go home and say, what a lovely evening that was. Because the food, mm. there's nothing worse than going to somebody's house and the food is not great. And then, you know, that's what people say. The food wasn't very good. Oh, the food was this, the food was that. It was, oh, it was okay, whatever. But it all no one good. ever says that leaving your house. Oh, I am I Let am me put it this way. Sure. Never, never left my house sick. So, uh, nor did they call me the next day and say, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't. There's an absolutely no way. So, Teo, other than your own cooking, what are some favorite places, either in Los Angeles or around the world, that you dream that the food makes you crazy, that you love? Part of it is presentation to me, because mm -hmm. that's what I said. 
even if it's like when people come into your house, the first thing they'll see is the ambience. And your house is magnificent. Well, you know, people will either go, oh, you know, and they'll turn around and go, oh. So it makes it very important, even the smell, mm. the, the light, the flowers, everything. To me, I was taught from my early days in New York, it's a production. Now, this is not something you were, your mother was not this kind of, no. No, no, no. no. Uh, I think I learned it uh, when I was working at the UN for one year that I did, and I met these diplomats. They had their chefs, and I'd go in the kitchen, and the presentation, I used to go, oh, my God, isn't that beautifully done, you know? There's nothing worse than, you know, people giving you, you go to dinner parties, and they'll give you paper plates or <laughs> plastic spoons, and I'm going, where would the people brought up? <laughs> Don't you care about this? No, what's important is their wine. Mm. Oh, try this year. Oh, this one is very good. Now, for me, it's about the whole picture. So that's mm. why when they leave, and even though it's exhausting and it was hopefully well done, there is something gratifying. Absolutely. That you did it well. I always say, you know, don't leave this well having to regret. You have the, you have the ability to do something in the present and make it count. And so... You know, I had great teachers. I had demanding teachers. I mean, you know, when you have teachers like Stella Radler or Milton Katsalas, like I did, oh my God, time. Time was a priority. Presentation was a priority. Don't waste my time, she used to say to us. How dare you come in late? You're not coming back into this class again. Was, wasn't, was it Stella Adler or wasn't Stella? Who was the one who said to you that you'll never be an actor? Who, who, who gave you a hard time about acting? Uh, in my early years, <laughs> I, I, someone said to me, uh, a Greek guy called Vasily Lambrinos, who was the, played the prince in the you know, single body brown. Oh. Reynolds, right? mm -hmm. uh, he, I, I met some Greeks and he was there and he said, oh, listen, you have to be an actor. And I said, no, I'm not an actor. I'm, not. I'm going back to Australia. He said, no, 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 you come with me. Was I'm this not. when you were working in a gallery? Was this... Yeah, this was in the beginnings when mm -hmm. I was dealing with, you know, great collections and I was like in awe. I mean, sitting on sofas that were from um, eight, uh, 1710, the only original ones. You know, that, I mean, I, I grew, I, I was educated in my 20s with all that wonderful stuff. That's why um, when my boss would say, not good enough, not good enough. Um, even when I was doing uh, jockeys in New York, the director would say to me, um, I, I come in on the stage again. No, I'm sorry, I don't, I, I don't believe you. Come in again. No, I'm sorry. You lead with your chest. You have authority. I don't believe your authority. 40 times until I got it. So wow. those are the things you remember as far as the teachings, you know. Um, what was your question? Um, I don't know. I got caught uh, up you in your answer. Me, you asked me about... Um, oh, I asked you... Was it... Stella, it wasn't Stella Adler. The teacher who it was Mary Tarsai. And I go to the class and I'm just sitting there as, a, as an observer. And she mm -hmm. said to me, you get up and do the scene with this girl here. And I said, oh, no, I'm not an actor. I'm sorry. I'm not, no, no, you're in this class. You're sitting here. I'm going to see you go up there. I said, but I'm not an actor. She said, I don't care. Go up there. And I've told this story. So some people will say, oh, he said this story. But that was my beginnings. And so I get up there and I'm just awful i mean it doesn't get any worse than that she, <laughs> she said to me 
Ah, uh, yes, I can tell. You're not an actor. Mm -hmm. Couldn't tell the difference between you and the chair. And so it was so insulting. I got so upset, I sat down. And there's Maggie Frawley, who was, I remember, to this day, we still talk on Facebook. Oh. And I was in my early 20s, and she said, oh, don't worry, honey, you're pretty. She said, you'll, you'll be fine. But it took me two years to become anything. And I stuck it out. And she gave me the determination that I was going to beat her uh, at her comment. And so I'm glad I did. They're, they're the best for you in life, the ones who tell you you're not good enough. Those challenges, not the ones who keep complimenting you and thinking you're wonderful. No. Most of the time it's because they need you to move on. But those who make you stay and make you and confront you and demand that you bring in what you're not showing us, where is it? Where is the gravitas in this work? So I became her favorite student after two years because it gave me such a challenge. I hadn't been challenged like that. And so I won her, I won her over. And so from then on, it was still not, but I, I learned about a lot of things. In America, you know, for me, I couldn't have done it in Australia because they, you know, they didn't have that kind of, in this country, we have image makers. Mm. In Australia, we didn't. We, we were what we call whingers, like the Brits, you know, who come over and they always complain <laughs> in those days. And I can be honest <laughs> about it because they did. No, they were never satisfied. And, but for those of us who came over poor and were brought up poor, had nothing but to look up and find the things that, why can't we have that? Why can't I be part of that? So that was. So acting wasn't your initial dream and I know what it was, but can, for, for everybody else, can you share with us? You can't, what did, what, when you came to America, what was the dream when you came here? I don't know. Hmm? I didn't know my all I knew was I couldn't go back home a failure because they would have said, you see, we told you, you wasted a year of your life. I thought to myself, I've got to find something. I even thought about archaeology, going and studying archaeology, but I thought he was going to pay for it, you know, and I wasn't going to do any kind of job. So instead, I, you know, you think, are there accidents? Yes. And then you think, well, no. No, this was, this was part of the path that you followed. I could have delayed it. You know, I could have postponed the journey, but I sometimes I climbed the walls that sometimes were difficult. But when I got over the top, sometimes there was nothing. Mm. But I had to find another one and climb that one. Uh, and so this is the thing about the being rewarded in America. Is they really, to be a success in this business especially, mm -hmm. they reward you well, they embrace you well, but you've got to stand for something. And um, and I always felt, you know, when I went back home, um, like one aunt said to my father, ah, oh, what is your son doing as an actor? Oh, I have to cab driver. They're all the same. So I had to change people's minds. Mm. I had to sustain that success. It wasn't an overnight success. And it wasn't until I went to do Mission, impossible over there, that I was able to have my father stand up straight and call me his warrior because he had no idea how this kid who left that was going to be an embarrassment to the family ended up winning. And so, you know, we go beyond our parents uh, and the best way is success. And it makes them feel that what they lived for mm. was worthwhile. And my parents left happily 
Your parents got to experience your I got success. to experience it. And, um, and I still kept family close. You know, to me, my foundation is family. And, um, you know, I know people who, whose families, I think, wow, God, I didn't have that kind of a family. You know, you share. You know, people don't share. Someone said to me recently, you know, you share your success. A lot of people don't. Or they think that because you're down there, you know, when they look at you and you're down there, you're not good enough. They don't want to lift you up. They want to go with people who are higher. So I think you do that with people who are developed. I mean, I make sure I don't like being around people who lose, mm. or losers, because they're going to take you down. They're going to criticize you. There's going to be envy. There's going to be the jealousy. I want to be with people who think well of life. They don't have to have money. It's in the way they look the way they embrace life and I think for me it was I've been fortunate to have had some some really tough but remarkable people and even when I you know go overseas um, you never know what's going to happen you have to you have to be on guard that you know there are enemies I don't care who you are there are enemies when you go people are looking to see if you're vulnerable, can they take advantage of you? They need to make money, whatever. So you 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 size them up pretty quickly once you've gone through it. You know, I remember even staring at a guy one time in ancient Cairo, and I'm looking at him, and I thought, God, what an interesting looking man, big guy. But I, thought, I wonder what he does. And he turned around and stares at me, and he gives me this dirty look while he's looking at me. And I'm as an actor, I'm going, well, I may use some of your characteristics. Who knows? And he turns around and he lifts his jacket up and shows me his gun. And I thought, oh, this was secret puppies. No. Yeah, you know, there's always, I always find those things interesting. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to take you back. So we're still, you're, we're at your day. You've done your, you've done your, your, your cloth. Meditation. You've done your, your meditation. You've done your, what are the, yeah, pulser, the yeah. Yes, you've done that. Balancing. Okay, and you you're now going to have Balancing your breakfast. Breakfast. So okay. I make the coffee. Breakfast to me is my main meal. Um, you know, I will do like yogurt with blueberries and sunflower seeds and uh, walnuts and uh, raw honey. And then I'll have maybe um, a muffin. And I'll have my, but first thing I do is I'll have watermelon usually. It's a diuretic. Um, I'll do a watermelon or I'll do, I love blueberries. So what, what's the best way to pick a watermelon, Teo? I, I, oh. is, is it true that you want with yellow on the? Yes, yes, it's very important. And make sure that if, when you press it down, your thumb doesn't feel like it's moving it. You know, when you touch it, make sure that it's hard. Okay. Otherwise, there's nothing worse than opening a watermelon. Mushy. Spongy, you know. Mm -hmm. no. So the yellow, yes, especially underneath it, you know, on the, on the bottom mm -hmm. of it, on the top of it. If, if it's that yellowy color, then that's always a good one to pick. And then I do, you know, the last thing I do is I have my cup of coffee, and but I watch my news. I mean, I'm addicted to news. I mean, how could you not be in this country? I mean, mm -hmm. you know what goes on every day, you know, you just never know. I mean, of course, we have Mr. Trump, who always gives us an amount of <laughs> stories to talk about. Um, but yeah, I, I love my news. Uh, I like movies. So, in in the pandemic, have you uh, have you binge watched? Have you found things? What have you loved lately? Anything? 
Well, I always liked uh, Game of Thrones. I'm not so crazy about this this one. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, the um, House of Dragons. Mm -hmm. I, I don't find the characters interesting enough. I mean, there's certain incidents that happen. I've been watching it. Uh, I love the music of that show. I think it's just wonderful. It gets you into it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, in many ways, it's you know beautifully done. I just don't find, uh, not that they're not good actors, I just don't find their personalities. I mean, in Game of Thrones, you really had some interesting uh, men and women, you know, that time this one is uh, it's okay um netflix okay um as someone said to me a lot of material but nothing particularly of great quality but i do i've seen movies like guernsey that i love i mean uh, which is a great love story i love world war ii movies i love uh world war one movies. i like war movies um i like to see especially spy movie i love to see that mind operating and how you overcome the enemy. I liked all those stories. Mm -hmm. So I've been watching when I see those types of movies. Uh, series, no, I'm not a series person. I'm not, except uh, I did watch, I watched every episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, and, I, and I did like Downton Abbey. It's a wonderful mm -hmm. contrast. But I like the Brits. You know, I think the Brits are wonderful actors. Mm -hmm. and I love their style. Um, I love their history. You know, especially 19th century British history is... Uh, all that is kind of wonderful. It's you know, it's not something we've lived in, but we have observed that I that I enjoy. But um, American series, you know, I can't watch all those CSIs and all that. And, mm -hmm. I mean, the good actors and good productions, but it just becomes the same to me after a while. So, yeah. what else is in your day? Are, do you do you set aside? Do you have a time that you sit down to write? Does the does it have to be yeah, when the mood strikes you? How does that work? Well, sometimes um, it, it, if I feel like it, I'll go to my computer, I'll make myself a Greek coffee, and then I'll sit there and I'll, I'll read the news. I'll get, it's like, how do I get into the door mm -hmm. as a writer? Mm -hmm. Some days I'm going, I could just watch paint dry. That's so slow. It doesn't come. It's not coming. Right. And, and I see, they always tell you when your best, most creative time is when you're, you feel your writing is coming through you mm -hmm. rather than from you. Mm -hmm. So when it comes through me, I find around three o'clock, four o'clock, I want to write. And then it gets dark and I'm going, oh, I don't like to write in, in, at night. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's my time, the evening. Sometimes I'll have some friends come over or sometimes I'll go out and meet them at a restaurant. But most of the time um, when I do write, I mean, I came back from, from Greece and I spent the next two weeks writing every day. I also wrote a teleplay, which I hope something's gonna happen there. Um, so I, I, that's my day. And then when I finish the writing, I feel like, and then I go downstairs, I've got a gym downstairs. And so I'll go and do my workout. I do that four times a week. What, what's your, what does your workout consist of? Uh, well, 40 minutes usually. Um, I do my stretches first, mm -hmm. and then uh, I'll do my sit-ups. And then I'll do my push-ups. I usually do around 70 push-ups in one go. And I still do it. You know, you know, a lot of people can't do 10, but I've been doing them since I was 19. Wow. But I think I've suffered because my thumbs hurt me hmm. doing all, all that. Um, and then I, I'll only do, I don't need bulk. You know, you've seen what happens to men when they get too big. Everything mm -hmm. drops. 
You know, there's mm -hmm. nothing worse than looking at a man who looks like he's got women's breasts because they're collapsed. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. And they've got nowhere to go, you know, and how many weights can you do? So I don't, to me, I always want to be able to walk into my tuxedo, get into my tuxedo, and instead of my arms bulging and my chest bulging, you know what I mean? I like it all, I like things. Cut. To drape. You like it to drape. Yeah, I like mm -hmm. it. And so that when someone grabs my arm, oh, you know, <laughs> or my stomach, you know, I'll push my stomach. Uh, but then I, I, I'll do that and then I'm cooking dinner. And even for myself. I so, always... oh, wait, when, so when you're cooking for yourself, Teo, give us an example of like, what are you going to make for yourself tonight? Uh, you know, once a week, um, I like Cornish hens. Mm. I just, I like simple. Uh, uh, I sometimes will cut it and split it and broil it. Um, I'll put olive oil, herbs de Provence, salt, pepper. Sometimes I'll squeeze some lemon on it and then cook both sides. And then I do, um, I'll do an Arabic rice, which is I'll get brown rice. Um, and then I will put in curry and cumin and then salt and pepper and some herbs de Provence. I will, and then put raisins, and then I'll put sunflower seeds. And then when mm. that boils, I'll put some olive oil. And then when it's all finished, you have to do this at the end, because if you coat, if you put honey before rice is cooked, it will coat it and won't cook it. So at the end, once it's done and the water's all gone, I will take a large tablespoon of honey and mix it into the rice. And then I gotta tell you, it is, that sounds delectable. And then I'll do um, dandelions. I like to do steamed dandelions. Um, and I do that with olive oil and lemon and I'll add sliced onion and, and uh, heirloom tomatoes. Mix that in with mint and that's my green. <sighs> and I do that. That's why I think, you know, when people say, you cook like that for yourself, I'd say, yeah, I care about tomorrow. I want to know that I'm still going on. I mean, I've got things I need to do. And you need them. You've got to be kind to your body. Otherwise, how will it respond? If you're not, it will respond with sickness. And I'm not interested in that. It's a waste of time. So I asked you before, you were saying that presentation is so important. Tell, tell us some of your favorite restaurants, either in LA or around the world, that, that do it the way you... That you I, I'm going to go to the French Laundry in, in a few weeks. I'm going up to Napa and going to go mm -hmm. and that's all about right presentation and, and all of that and farm to table. And so what if, what are some of the places that you've eaten that have really um I like Avra in Beverly Hills, mm -hmm. AVRA. Mm -hmm. Um can be a little expensive, but you know, to me is you go in and you look at that entire display. It started Years ago, I had been approached by a guy in Canada and he said to me, his name, the name of his restaurant was Milo, which means apple in Greek. And he says, I'm going to be opening a, a restaurant. I was wondering if you as a celebrity would like to be partnership with me. And I, and I said, I'm playing two characters. At that <laughs> time. I have no time to even think. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, you know, it's just too many lines. And mm -hmm. so... He became very famous by having a restaurant in New York called Minos. And the whole display of all the food, it's like when you go to Crete or you go to Greece and you go to the islands and they bring you a basket of the seafood they just caught, what would you like? Wow. And then they'll grill it with a 
salad and a glass of wine. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Mm. So I always like Milos. And it's uh, on 56th Street in New York between mm. 6th and 7th. That I love. It, when the Hilton was open, it had one there. Beautiful. Presentation, everything. Mm. Gorgeous. Now the Hilton's been taken over. It's going to be changed into apartments, condos. and There'll be restaurants, but there'll be apartments above. Um, and also in London. And I remember, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, the Australian actress, um, Nicole Kidman, said her favorite restaurant was Milos. Uh, here, I like it occasionally, occasionally. I like to go to a Mexican restaurant and have a margarita and have some tacos. I and like what's your favorite Mexican restaurant to go to here? Um, uh, there's there, there's one in the valley called Hen, Hen, no Ch Henry's. Is it Henry's? Oh God, I forgot his name. Um, so I'll go there about three times a year. Um, and I, I like Cardisol because it's convenient and and they're really nice in there and they're booths and it's old Hollywood. I mm. like that old Hollywood. Um, also, Smokehouse. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, I like, because the ambiance reminds me of Sardis in New mm -hmm. York. You know, I always love Sardis. You know, you'd go, I mean, if you want to celebrate Broadway and all that, you, you, you know, you've got to go there. And I remember from years and years ago, I used to go with all these literary people who, who were friends with uh, Steve Sunheim and everything. And, and they'd say, oh, why don't you join us? We need someone young, give us a few laughs. And so I used to go with them in Sardis and they'd give us a, a good table. And all those years later, I went to New York in 2019, and, and I went to Sardis because I was going to see um, 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 uh, I was going to see Milan Rouge, and that, that was sold out. And then I, I went to see To Kill a Mockingbird with oh. Ed Harris. And I went up to the box office, and they said, we have one ticket, and it's in the front row. And I went, oh, I'll take it, you know. So I said, I'll, I'll, I'll so I did, I said, first I must go to Saudis and have a cocktail and have dinner there before I get to the theater. And I go in and, and I'm sitting and, and I go in and maybe he said, oh, Mr. Penglis, how are you? And I went, what? I went, what? He goes, Mr. Penglis, do you have a reservation? I said, no, I'm going to the theater, I'm in here. He says, no, no, come with me. And I went, oh my God, all those years later, when I was just a student and I went with these people, suddenly the man knew my name and he took me to the table. And then somebody sent me two, uh, two martinis at my table. Oh. So it was like coming back. I mean, if you look from that time to this time and what transpired in that half circle in your life, was, it was a wonderful reminder that I had done okay, that it was sad because all my friends had gone now, you know, they were the ones who were inspiring and, mm. and who had, you know, I mean, uh, I've got such stories with these people, but, you know, they've gone. So I, I, there's nobody in front of me, really. All my old friends are gone. So you're thinking, what do you make? What, what do you do now with this stage of your life? The young ones have their own interests and what they do. But I remember when I was young, I always wanted to be with older people because they knew more. So, and so moving forward, okay, so there's the podcast, there's the book In Search of a Goddess, there's a teleplay that you've just completed. Yes. Are there 
I, I would think you're insatiable. I would think you're always going to have things ahead of you that you want to do. I can't imagine you ever running out of things that you want to do. Well, to think that I, I, I must say, to have climbed like I did with Crawshaw in, in ancient Ithaca um, gave me a lot of hope that it was not over. You know, when you mm. challenge yourself. I mean, you know, we can sit back and become couch travelers and just, you know, take in what other people are experiencing. But to me, you know, you're still part of the game. And you also should be have the responsibility of all that you have earned and all that you've experienced. You need to put it somewhere. Don't mm -hmm. die with it. Share it. And then be an example of how something, as someone said to me, make sure it was well done. And, and that's how I look at it. In the end, when I look at it, and I say, did I, did it? that's why I say the best moment of my dinner party is when everybody's gone and I can sit back and say, ah, did it, did it. Everybody was happy, it worked well, the food was good. And that's to me. Well, Teo, I, I am gonna, I hope you're gonna invite me back because I wanna come. Yeah. And I just so adore spending time with you and thank you for doing this again. And um, you're always so inspiring and I, I want to go cook something nice for myself now. I don't want to. Oh yeah. You have to be kind to yourself. I mean, we're just not kind enough to ourselves. We're always looking on the outside for our happiness or our, on how we did instead of knowing. Mm. I think it's important to reach a point where you don't have to ask anymore. That's one thing about the food. I don't have to ask you if the food is good. I can just taste it and I know what I've done. Mm. It's different when you're acting because you're not looking at yourself. Mm. Uh, you know, but yeah, just make sure that when you do it, and don't be selfish about it. It's very important to share. And um, a lot of people are just caught up in ego and they're not caught, they're not, they're not allowing themselves to shine the light on what people may not understand yet and for those of us who've been fortunate um, we hope that someone will come along and say oh thank you for yeah, I just learned something that was important well I always learn something from you and you're always important and I adore you and thank, thank you, you so very much Teo. thank you for being such a good interviewer a great pleasure I haven't stopped talking I've enjoyed every second. And so is everybody who's watching. Now you give me a headache. Uh, no. All right. Thank Not you very much. Thank See you. See you soon, Teo. I yeah. hope. You too.